This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'll invite you to turn to two openings of Scripture, John chapter 15 and Mark chapter 11. We've been teaching a series for the last couple of weeks entitled Steps to Answered Prayer. The same rules that apply to one type of prayer or one style of praying doesn't necessarily apply to everything else. Probably the greatest example of that that we have is Jesus when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was betrayed and taken uh, captive by the Romans. Um, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if, there, if it uh, be possible, let this cup pass from me. I believe that he's not shying away from the physical pain that was ahead of him, but he knew that he'd have to die spiritually. He'd have to be separated from God to pay the price for mankind. So he said in his prayer, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now, it's great to pray that the will of God would be done in your life. But Jesus is not praying to receive something from God. He's praying about the thing that he's facing. And so he's dedicating himself to whatever God's will is in this situation, in which he already knew. He knew that he was going to have to go to the cross. The problem with that, or the problem that the church has created through a lack of understanding, lack of knowledge that there are different kinds of prayer or different ways to pray, is that they've, many people have incorporated that phrase that Jesus prayed, if it be your will, into every other kind of prayer that they pray. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Well, over in John chapter 15, verse 7, we see Jesus is talking about this kind of prayer. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, immediately people start saying things like, or questioning things like, well, what if you're praying out of the will of God? Well, if you're abiding in him and his words abiding in you, then your prayer is based on what his word says. And God's word is his will. God wouldn't promise you something that is not his will for you to have. Wouldn't that be silly? Wouldn't it be stupid for God to tell you that something belongs to you if he didn't want you to have it? Mark 11, beginning in verse 22, Jesus said, after he cursed the fig tree and the disciples brought it to his attention, Jesus said, have faith in God. It really, that uh, uh, a more accurate translation of verse 22 is have the faith of God. Well, what kind of faith does God have? He must have the God kind of faith. The same faith that created the worlds through words. So Jesus says, have the faith of God, or we sometimes say have the God kind of faith. And then he tells them how it works in verse 23. He said, for whosoever shall say, under this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith now notice he's not talking about prayer in verse 23 he's talking about the operation of faith this principle called faith that works by speaking from your heart and saying with your mouth Verse 24, however, he tells us about how faith can be used in prayer. Therefore, I say unto you, 
what things soever you desire. Again, your desires are going to be based on a relationship with God and the presence of his word in you. So it's going to be word-based. The prayer of faith always has to be word-based because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So he said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, what things soever you desire, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He didn't say you might have them. He didn't say the odds are in your favor or this is the best chance you've got of receiving from God. He said, you shall have them. So I want you to notice in both John 15, 7 and Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus is giving us a guarantee for answered prayer. Now, the reason that uh, John 15, 7 and Matthew in uh, Mark eleven twenty four talks about your will or your desires is because your answered prayer depends more on you than it does on God. James talking about this prayer of faith <clears throat> said in, in chapter 5 of the letter that he wrote to us, in verse 14, he said, Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray over them, the sick, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, not the elders, not the oil, but the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. Then it goes on in verse 16, and it says, confess your faults one to another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now what he's talking about is in context with the prayer of faith. So connecting to or concerning the prayer of faith, James says that a righteous man will always get results. The word effectual means effective. The word fervent means heartfelt. So literally he's saying that the effective, heartfelt, or spirit-led prayer will always be answered, will always get an answer from him. Always. You can bat a thousand when it comes to prayer. Now, so much of the church world, because they haven't understood the, the uh, effective rules, and if, uh, just as James says, if you can pray effectively, then you must be able to pray ineffectively. Otherwise, why say the effectual prayer? But if we learn the rules that govern prayer, if we learn the rules that govern the principles that govern the prayer of faith, we can get an answer from God every time. Every time. Which means we can always receive what we want from Him. Always. Now, we've talked about the first two steps. Step number one is decide what you want from God and find scriptures that promise you those things. Then get those promises firmly fixed in your heart and not just in your mind. You do that through meditating in the word. You remember in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, God told Joshua, this book of the law, which is all the word of God they had at that time, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Well, the only way something can't depart out of your mouth is if you keep saying it. Because if you just say it once, it's gone. But if you say it over and over and over again, then that's not departing from your mouth. So he said, this book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. Notice meditating has something to do with saying. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. 
One of the meanings of the word meditate, if you look it up in the, in the Hebrew, one of the meanings of the word meditate means to mutter or to say to yourself over and over and over again. Now, God told Joshua to do that day and night. He told him the rest of his time was his, but day and night belonged to meditating in the word. Now, he's obviously not talking about speaking the word 24 hours a day. Nobody can do that. We have other things going on in our lives. But he is telling us the principle of how we can meditate and speak the word of God to ourselves while we're doing other things. While we're doing other things. Well, that's what he's talking about. That's the kind of relationship God wants with each and every one of us so that we are speaking his word to ourselves consistently, if not constantly. So, step number one is decide what you want from God and find the scriptures that promise you those things because faith is based on a knowledge of his word. So, if you find the scriptures that promise you those things, you can have faith, absolute faith, to know that you will receive them if you follow the other rules. Step number two then becomes very simple. Ask God for what you want. And here's the hard part. Believe that you receive them when you pray. Notice Mark eleven twenty four again. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So when do you have the things that you want? After you believe you receive them. When do you believe that you receive the things that you want? Before you have them. Because faith doesn't work that way. Faith works by believing you receive when you still face the symptoms, when the circumstances still look the same. But Jesus said if you'd believe you received before you had them, before you see any difference, you would see a difference. Maybe not instantly. Maybe not in a day or two, but you will see the difference. You shall have them. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So that brings us to step number three. We found the Word that promises us what we want. We've prayed the prayer of faith and believed that we received before we had it or see any difference in any physical change. Step number three is to keep your heart from doubt. Keep your heart from doubt. Now, folks, remember that the Bible talks about the fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 says, Paul's writing to Timothy, who's pastoring the church at Ephesus at that, at that time, according to church history. And he writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, who if anybody is going to know about Paul's doctrine, if anybody is going to understand about how faith works, 
It's going to be Timothy. He learned it firsthand from Paul's revelation. Traveled with him for many years. So he should know these things. And I'm sure that he does. I don't think that Paul is writing to him, directing him in something he doesn't know. He's just reminding him of things that he does know. But he said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, he said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, he can't be talking about being saved. Eternal life there can't mean salvation because we know he's already saved. He's filled with the Spirit. He's been installed as the pastor of the church at Ephesus. So if he's not talking about getting saved, what's he talking about? He's saying fighting the good fight of faith. And I consider the good fight of faith good because we win. I don't care how close we come. It's not a good fight unless we win. So when he tells him to fight the good fight of faith, which, by the way, is the only fight the Bible tells the Christian he's in. He's not in a fight against other religions. He's not in a fight against government. He's in a fight against faith, the fight of faith. He's in a fight against the devil who wants to rob him of the things that he wants and needs from God. So he said fighting the good fight of faith is the means or the way that we lay hold on the eternal life, meaning all the things that Jesus died for us to have. All those things that the Bible instructs us belongs to us because of the finished work of Jesus. But as the pastor of the, the biggest and the most famous church in the world at that time, he tells Timothy that being a pastor is not going to be enough to ensure his prayer success or that he walks in all the things that God has for us. Timothy would have been a celebrity because of the position that he's in. And Paul says that's not going to be enough either. There's only one thing that's going to ensure that you have everything that God provided for you through the finished work of Jesus. And that's fighting effectively and winning the good fight of faith. Amen? So this is how you lay hold on it. You lay hold on it through faith. But we're right there in Mark chapter 11. I left you there, I believe. Notice we talked about verse 24 as being the, the definition of the prayer of faith. But verse 23, as we mentioned before, shows us the principles that govern the faith that you base your prayer on in verse 24. And notice what he said. He said, whosoever shall say. Faith has to do with speaking then, doesn't it? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, not say to God about the mountain, but whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Notice the next phrase. And shall not doubt in his heart. And shall not doubt in his heart. Notice that's the only restriction that Jesus places on the operation of faith in verse 23 of Mark chapter 11. And shall not doubt in his heart. So you're going to have to be aware. We should all be aware that the devil is going to try to fight us to keep us from getting the answers or receiving the things that we've asked God for. You remember in the Old Testament, <clears throat> in the story of Daniel, it says that Daniel was reading Jeremiah's prophecy, and he came to the understanding that it was time, or very soon approaching the time, that God said he would deliver Israel from Babylonian rule. And so it tells us that Daniel went on a three-week fast, seeking God for the answer. See, it wasn't enough for him just to know that it was time for God to deliver them. 
he's going to find out what needs to be done and how the people of Israel need to operate to take hold of the promised deliverance. Now, they had a promise. Jeremiah said that they'd be in bondage for 70 years, and they were approaching the end of those 70 years. And Daniel knew that that was the promise of God, but it wasn't just enough to know it. He was going to find out what do we do? How do we operate? How do we cooperate effectively with God so that that deliverance can take place and occur? Well, he went to praying, and it says after those 21 days, the angel, forgot the angel's name, sorry, but an angel appears and says that God sent the answer. He was the answer. The angel was the messenger. That God sent the answer the first day that Daniel started praying. Well, that was 21 days before. Folks, heaven must be a long way off if it takes 21 days for an angel to get here. But that's not what he said. He said, I was sent for your words. I was sent. The angel was sent as an answer to his prayer on day one. But he said the devil withstood him. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. He's talking about a spiritual being. The Bible indicates to us that natural governments, human governments, have spiritual forces behind them. Evil forces behind them. And that evil force of the enemy withstood the angel for 21 days and apparently would have withstood him a lot longer but the angel said but Michael one of the chief princes came to help me and so he got through now folks the point is very simply this if that's a pattern or a principle of the way the devil operates then after our prayer is prayed after our prayer based on the word, the prayer of faith based on the word is prayed, God dispatches the answers almost instantly because that's the way he wants it to be. But that does not mean that the devil is not going to try to hinder it from coming. That does not mean that you're always going to be able to take hold of everything instantly. There are going to be things that we're going to have to stand in faith against. There are scriptures we're going to have to hold fast our profession of faith to or toward for the answers to reach us. A lot of people pray, pray effectively, and then after a few days give up saying, well, God must not have heard them when the, the messenger or the answer is on the way. That's why we can't ever give up. You might be just one day away from your answer. You can't ever give up. But knowing that, understanding that principle, it's very important for us to hold fast to our faith, keep saying the same things, keep confessing the word, keep believing that God has heard and answered prayer. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 6. And he starts here in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice he didn't say a word about being strong in yourself. He said, be strong in the Lord. In other words, he's saying, be strong in your beliefs and in your knowledge of who God is as revealed through his word. That's where our strength needs to be. Our strength needs to be centered in the fact that God hears and answers prayer. Do you know, folks, it's not even important for you to believe in prayer? Every heathen religion believes in prayer. Muslims pray five or six times a day, don't they? Believing in prayer is not the issue. I believe in the God that answers prayer. 
So Paul says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How do you do that? He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles means treachery. It means deceit or deceitfulness. But it comes from a root word that means traveling over. That means traveling over. Well, that doesn't seem to make any sense. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the traveling over of the devil. What does that mean? Well, it means deceitfulness. It means lies. It means treachery is the only road the devil travels. See, so often people get the idea that the devil is so strong. He's so powerful. I don't have a chance against him because of all the times I failed before. That's proof that he's stronger than I am or stronger than my ability to receive from God or whatever. But when you understand that there's only one means of attack that the devil has, that it enables you, it strengthens you to be able to stand against that one area. You don't have to defeat the devil in 55 different ways, but you do have to defeat him in one. You do have to defeat him in one. Notice he goes on, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the traveling over of the devil. In other words, the way that the devil attacks. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We are in a fight. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. So what is he saying? He's saying the way to defeat the devil's one means of attack is to equip yourself to stand and stand still. Stand firm. Stand fixed. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Beginning in verse 3, Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, folks, when you talk about guarding yourself or preparing yourself for the fight of faith, when we talk about keeping our heart from doubt, we need to define our terms so we know how to operate effectively. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said, a man out of the good treasure or a good deposit of his heart brings forth or speaks good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure or deposit of his heart speaks forth evil things. So the Bible tells us that our words reveal our heart. Our words reveal what we put in our spirit. So if we're going to keep our heart from doubt... That means we've got to guard our tongue. We've got to be careful about the things that we say. Well, how does the devil travel? What's the one road or the one means of attack that he uses? He uses deceit. If he can't deceive you, he can't defeat you. The Bible says, <clears throat> Peter says this way. He said, your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Notice it doesn't say he is a lion. He says he's like one. But it defines how he's like. A lion. 
and that is the roar. Not the teeth, not the fangs, not the sharp claws. See, the devil wants to make you think he's some giant lion with blood dripping off his clothes or off his claws from everybody he's devoured. But the reality is the devil's like a little cat with a loudspeaker and a microphone in front of it. He's just the noise. He's not the power and the strength of a lion. He's just the noise of one. And notice that he looks about, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's got to have your permission if he's going to devour you. Because you're the one with authority, not him. Now, how is he going to get anybody, you, me, or anybody else, how is he going to get anybody to give him permission to devour them? The only way he's got is to trick you, to trick you into it. But here's what the devil knows that most Christians don't. He knows that the things that you think, if you think on them long enough, will wind up coming out of your mouth. He knows that the things that you think will be the things that you act on. So if he can get you distracted from the promise that you based your prayer on, if he can get you distracted from the truth of the word that you found to cover your case before you ever prayed, that you made a part of your heart to prepare for when he comes, if he can get you to turn your attention away from those things and look at the circumstances, look at how you feel, or look at the things around you, or look at your bank book balance, or whatever the case is, if he can get you looking at natural things, earthly things, physical things, instead of the truth of the word of God, he knows that sooner or later you'll talk it. And when that takes place, he has tricked you into using your authority against yourself, against your best interest. So you're going to have to guard your mind from every evil thought. Every evil thought. When doubts persist, and they will, you're going to have to be prepared for, with an answer. You remember when Jesus was tempted of the devil in Matthew chapter 4? He's been fasting for 40 days, and the devil came at his weakest point. The Bible says Jesus was hungry. So the devil came at his weakest point and attempted to, to get Jesus to use his authority against his own best interest, against the purpose that God sent him to the earth for. And every time the devil brought something that would plant a thought in his mind for something that he could have, or would want to get. Every time Jesus countered the words that the devil spoke that brought the wrong pictures to his mind, he countered them with the saying, it is written. In other words, Jesus took his attention back to the word. He refused to be distracted from the truth of the word, which includes everything the Bible says God will do for us. So he did the same thing that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to follow his example. We're supposed to make sure that every thought affirms that we have what we prayed for. Still talking about the prayer of faith and receiving by faith from God. Let every thought affirm that you have what you asked for and comes in line with what the Bible says is yours. Use your faith today to cause God's will to come to pass in your life. Thanks for watching. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. In so doing, you are keeping your heart from doubt. You're staying in faith. You're continuing and holding fast the profession of your faith. And your answer is guaranteed. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.